Thank you so much to John for presenting and sharing about his work and his family's work in Japan. Um, since we were going to have missionaries with us today, I planned a shorter message. We are starting from Galatians. The goal for today is to give really an overview of the book of Galatians. So again, it'll be about half the length of my typical sermons. Um, for visitors, I usually go about three hours. No, I'm kidding. Um, but before I get into Galatians, I'd love to pray again. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this day. And um, Lord, we just praise you that you are a good God. And we thank you for John and for the work that they're doing. We pray for the people that they're serving and interacting with in Japan. Lord, it is a tough nation to reach, Lord. And we know that the only way it can be reached is through a work of you, Lord, and your Holy Spirit reaching people in that country. Lord, I also want to pray for, uh, for Ethan and Katie Hall, as this is their last Sunday with us before going to Bob Jones. I want to pray for a great year for them. Lord, I want to pray for kids locally as school's starting up. I want to pray for a great school year. Lord, we just uh, we love our, our children here, our kids in this church. I want to pray for just a, a great year where they learn a lot and uh, Lord, pray for their families, always new adjustments at the beginning of a school year. So we lift them up to you, Lord, and once again, we pray for our time as we study in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I've never done this before, uh, where we've done an introductory sermon to a book, but I think it'll be helpful for people who have a, a good study Bible, usually before you get into an individual book of the Bible, there will be like a little introduction where it talks about the author and the date that it was written and the themes of the book. And so that's kind of what this is, an overview uh, of leading us into the book of Galatians, um, dipping our toes into the water. Galatians is a letter that is addressed from the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. All of them were written as letters either to churches or to individual people. I say at least 13 because there's been a long-standing debate about whether or not Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, as that letter does not have an identified author. Some scholars debate Paul's authorship of certain letters in the New Testament. But interestingly, Galatians is almost universally agreed upon to be authentic to Paul. The theology of Galatians is thoroughly Pauline, and this letter includes a high degree of autobiographical material. And so no serious scholars that I'm aware of question that Galatians was written by Paul. Most, about, most of what we know about the Apostle Paul comes from his letters and from stories involving Paul in the book of Acts. Paul tends not to talk a ton about himself in his writing, just little bits and pieces of information here and there, but Galatians is a little bit different. From about the middle of chapter 1 through the middle of chapter 2, Paul has a prolonged section where he talks about himself. He's talking about his status as an apostle and about his various travels in the years after he came to faith. Now, many Bibles will have maps towards the back. If you've ever noticed those maps that display Paul's missionary journeys, uh, this is a picture of Paul's first and second missionary journeys. If you think that's daunting, when I was in seminary for one of my classes, the professor said, I won't tell you which one until the exam, but he would give us a blank map and we had to draw out and list everywhere Paul went to. 
I didn't do very well. The first missionary journey from Paul is when he visits churches in the region known as Galatia in modern-day Turkey. Here's a better picture. Uh, we see these events of Paul's first travels to this region in the book of Acts, chapters 13 and 14. And that's Paul's introduction to that territory. Most conservative biblical scholars believe that the letter to the Galatians was authored after Paul's first missionary journey, which would make Galatians Paul's earliest writing in either the late 40s or early 50s A.D., which would also make it the earliest writing that we have in the New Testament. Now think about that for a moment. Less than a generation after Jesus walked the earth, with most of the apostles still living, and with many other people who had interacted with Jesus still living, Paul writes Galatians. Interestingly, Paul will have a prolonged section where he talks about living eyewitnesses to Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I want to say a little bit more about the Apostle Paul. As I mentioned a few moments ago, Paul's apostolic authority will be something that he addresses in the book of Galatians in chapters 1 and 2. Paul is not writing merely as a pastor or merely as a guy who has some theological thoughts. He is writing as someone who has been called by Jesus and Paul himself is an apostle. And it is because of that that his writings were recognized in the early church to be scriptural. What else do we know about Paul? Most of us know that he was a great missionary in the first century. We don't know exactly when Paul was born. Most scholars think shortly after Christ, maybe around the year 4 or 5 AD. Paul goes by two different names in the New Testament, Saul and Paul. A common misconception is that Saul's name changes to Paul after his conversion to Christianity. That is actually not supported in the Bible. In reality, the name Paul comes from the name Paulos, which is a Greco-Roman name. Acts 13.9 says, Saul, who was also called Paul. And so it appears that he went by two names. Saul was a Jewish name, likely after King Saul, who we talked about this summer extensively, the first king of Israel. Like Saul, Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was born in Tarsus, which was one of the most commonly, or one of the most cultured and educated cities in the first century Roman world. It's unclear how long he stayed there, but he spent at least part of his formative years in Jerusalem. He talks about this in Acts chapter 22, verse 3. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in this city, he's referring to Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. I won't say a lot about that. Gamaliel was an influential first century rabbi. Paul basically went to Harvard. He got as good of an education as you could have gotten. Paul was famously a persecutor of the early church. In fact, the first time that we see Paul, if you're reading in the New Testament, is when he's giving approval to the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
There are other references to Paul's authority. In Acts 26, Paul is reflecting back on his life before coming to faith when he says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So again, Paul hated Christians in the early church. He had been a Pharisee, part of the same group of religious teachers and experts of the law who were constantly having conflict with Jesus during his ministry, though Paul was not part of that group during Jesus' ministry. He wasn't uh, on the scene interacting with Jesus. Paul would have grown up celebrating Old Testament holy days, reciting biblical passages from the Torah. He would have had his own opinions and beliefs about the coming Messiah of Israel. He talks about his past life of Judaism in Philippians chapter 3. I apologize that the text is small. Paul says, when referring to his life as a Jewish person, if anyone, think, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul would have been extremely well-versed in the Old Testament. It's no surprise to consider the many connections and allusions he makes to the Old Testament in his writings. Just consider Galatians. We see Paul connect the idea of justification by faith to Abraham. In Galatians 4, he talks of the sons born to Hagar and Sarah as being symbolic of the covenants of grace and works. And he also talks extensively about the law of the Old Testament. The Christian response to the law seems to be a major influence as to why Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians in the first place. In Acts chapter 9, Paul has a dramatic conversion where Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. This is probably around the year 34 or 35, a year or two after the resurrection of Jesus. We see Paul's call by Jesus. I'll read from the text, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. I didn't make a slide for this one. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's the early Christian church, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The great persecutor of Christians becomes a Christian. And we know that Paul himself was heavily persecuted during his ministry. Acts chapter 16, verses 20 to 23. Just after Paul has arrived in Philippi, he's attacked by an angry mob. 
And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Paul was imprisoned multiple times, beaten multiple times. His life was endangered multiple times. I think about a conversation I had with my sister this past week. She was listening to a conspiracy podcast about if the disciples stole the body of Jesus. And I said, for what purpose? She said, so they could be powerful. I said, powerful. They were persecuted and tortured for what they believed. And so was Paul, that he really believed and knew that he had encountered the risen Lord. It was only because of that that he went through the life of hardship and difficulty, constantly under threat. On his first visit to the Galatian region in Acts chapter 14, Paul gets stoned by an angry mob. Five of Paul's letters were written from prison. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is his final letter, written shortly before he was executed. From that letter, even after his many persecutions, beatings, imprisonments, Paul seemed to know that he didn't have much time left. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Other brief notes about Paul. To supplement his ministerial earnings, he also worked as a tent maker. He was likely never married. No wife is ever mentioned, and Paul talks about the gift of singleness in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul seemed to have been afflicted during his missionary journeys by poor health, at least at times. We see this in the book of Galatians, where Paul is thanking the Galatians in chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, for their previous kindness to him. Paul says, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. The fact that he refers to them being willing to gouge out their eyes for him has led many scholars to suggest that Paul had poor eyesight. There's another event in the book of Acts where Paul picks up a pile of sticks and a snake comes out and bites him. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul draws attention to his handwriting when he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. While Galatians is Paul's letter, he most likely did not personally, physically write the letter. More likely, it was written by a scribe dictated to by Paul. He also refers to his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Next, I want to talk about the occasion of Paul's writing the letter to the Galatians. Think of all of the many Christian denominations there are today. 
There are thousands. Worldwide, I think there's about 10,000. So many different schools of thought, so many different ways people read the Bible and understand theology. Well, in the early church, there were a lot of theological disagreements too. Christianity was brand new. And there were a lot of theological questions related to the question and the connection of Christianity to Judaism. There were questions of if Christians still needed to follow the Old Testament laws. Did we still have to eat a kosher diet? Did we still need to observe the Old Testament holy days and the weekly Sabbath? Did men still need to be circumcised? In Galatians, Paul is addressing some of those very issues as there were people who had sought to still enforce the Old Testament law onto new Christian converts. Because of that, because of people trying to impose law and to attach law to gospel, justification by faith is really the major theme of the book of Galatians. He states that most clearly in chapter 2, verse 16. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But there are numerous other references in this letter to justification by faith. And so Paul is combating these false teachings in the Galatian churches with the truth of the gospel. Early in the letter, Paul expresses his concerns over people being led astray from the truth of the gospel. Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. We see his frustrations with the fruit of these false teachings in chapter 3, where Paul says, O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Last thing I want to touch on as I introduce us to Galatians, the primary themes of this book, some of them I've already covered. Once again, I would argue that justification by faith is the main theme of the book of Galatians. Galatians is Paul's love letter to the doctrine of justification by faith. Other significant themes in Galatians include the relationship of the gospel to the law, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and Paul's apostolic authority. I'll close with this. One of the key verses in this book. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's gospel. It is not invented or created by men. It is not up for a vote. It does not depend on popularity. If none of us believed in the gospel, that would not make it any less true. The message that we are sinners and that there is grace through Jesus Christ is a message offered to the whole world, and it is the only message that points to eternal life. 
Galatians points us to the gospel. And it points us to the life that we have in Christ in light of believing in the gospel. Galatians is a great book. We're going to have a great study in this book. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the book of Galatians. We thank you that we have your holy word. Lord, we are so blessed that through so many centuries, people longed to be able to have their own copy of your scriptures, and we can have it accessible anytime, even for free, Lord. And we thank you for that blessing. May we be edified and encouraged and pointed to your gospel as we study this book. Lord, as we get ready to eat a meal here in a few moments, we pray for that time as well, Lord. Again, just to enjoy each other's company, to enjoy great food. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.